have you here tonight. We're going to look in Psalm chapter 1. I want to share a message entitled The Blessed Man of Psalm chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Our text verse will be verse 1. And so I'll give you a moment to be able to get your Bibles open up there. We're glad to see you tonight. And uh, I see Brian Fallon back there, Pastor Brian Fallon. How are you doing? Man, man, greetings from Sparta, I guess, huh? <laughs> it's good to see you tonight, brother. Amen. At the end of the service, I'd like for you to come up and pray, amen. So just be mindful of that. I know you didn't prepare anything, but <laughs> amen. Good to see friends, amen. And uh, Pastor Brian's been faithful all these years and went to college years and years ago before I was here and pastoring up in Sparta. It's good to see you here. Amen. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor uh, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall, uh, um, yeah, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight, Lord, and uh, be able to once again open up the Bible and study it together. Help us to uh, make some practical applications uh, in our, our study together. Uh, may even as we're reading and studying and preaching, Lord, we speak to each of us as individuals, uh, specifically things that uh, need to be applied into our lives. And I pray, Lord, that because of our time we spend together tonight, it'll be profitable. Uh, Lord, it'll bring change in our life. It'll help us to be able to exalt and glorify the name of our Savior. And so, God, please bless the preaching of the Word of God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, verse 1 is our text verse. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So the word blessed means extreme happiness. It means everybody wants uh, to be blessed or to be happy. I don't see people, I don't think I really know of anybody who walks around and says, boy, I wish I really would be cursed today. You know, <laughs> everybody wants to rejoice in the Lord and people want to have a good life. They want to have a happy life. The problem is, as we live in the world, uh, so f very few people are happy, and it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. People are getting more angry, more upset, more dissatisfied, and I think much of it is because of the fact that man tries to find real happiness through maybe his money, his investments that he has, or whatever, and uh, things have a tendency of falling apart. And uh, you lose everything. People want to ha be happy because they're rejoicing in their job that they have. Their success is based upon their jobs or their hobbies or uh, sports or whatever it may be. But what we've seen during this coronavirus thing that uh, things change pretty drastically very quickly. Things that we depend on to make us happy all of a sudden aren't there anymore. 
and security that we had at one time all of a sudden is completely removed. And so uh, as a result of that, they say suicides is skyrocketing in America right now. Drugs and alcohol addictions are skyrocketing right now. And it's because everything that man had placed his trust in and his focus in in order to be happy or to be, quote unquote, what he would consider blessed, has been completely lost in the world. And now they have nowhere to turn. They have no hope. And uh, certainly, as a believer in Christ, this gives gives us a great opportunity to point them towards Jesus Christ, where they can really find real joy and happiness. I think of the Apostle Paul was a happy Christian. And when you think about Paul, uh, he mentions in his letters that he carried the burden of all the churches. And I'll tell you, from a pastor's viewpoint, the burden of one church is enough. But, but the Apostle Paul had the burden of all the churches, but he was a man that was happy. He was a man that rejoiced. Uh, Paul was beaten and rejected. He was left for dead. Uh, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. But yet Paul was a man who was happy in Jesus. Uh, Paul would be placed in the prison, but yet at the midnight hour, he would be singing praises unto his God. Certainly, when we think about the blessed man, we can look at the Apostle Paul and say, now there was an individual who was blessed. There was an individual who was happy because his happiness did not depend on the circumstances in his life, but rather his happiness depended upon his God and that alone. Problem many times in Christians today are trying to find their happiness by running to the world. Uh, they, as I mentioned this morning, statistic I came across saying 35% of believers in Christ uh, in America since COVID-19 are not watching via live stream or are not coming to church and studying the Word of God. And I'll tell you, when you have one-third of Christians not even uh, being focused or paying their attention to who Christ is and what the Word of God says, that impacts us as a society. And certainly, uh, uh, they're trying to find security that's out in the world. They're trying to find security uh, that is based on worldly goods and things. And, and it just it's a constant changing world uh, that is not stable and that we cannot depend upon. And I just wonder if that's why so many people are not happy. And I'm not talking about a morbid uh, glee and partying and all this. I'm just saying this, having a settled spirit and knowing that God is on the throne, he is in control of your life, and no matter, as we saw this morning in Joseph's life, no matter what tragedy you go through, uh, there's a God in heaven who cares for us, and he can make our way prosperous. And so blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So the blessed man. Let's think of this tonight. First of all, how can we be blessed or enjoy being blessed is uh, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. It's very simple. Our points are right in the scriptures. It says uh, uh, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so if I want to be happy as a Christian, uh, you can't have it both ways. You can't be in the world and you can't be in the church. Uh, you're not, you'll never be happy that way. Uh, certainly, if you want to be blessed of God, you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And when I think of that statement, I think this deals with direction in the believer's heart and in their life. 
Uh, every one of us need direction, need God to lead us and direct us. I know my wife and I, since we've been saved and uh, since we surrender our life to the Lord, one of the major things that's always been a concern on our hearts, God, which direction do you want us to go? God, what is it that you want us to do? Uh, open the doors and show us what it is that you desire to accomplish in our life. And so in the process of living my Christian life, I don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly because their direction, their concept of living life is totally different from the direction and the concept of life that God has for us. And so don't, don't turn to the world and ungodly people to get your direction in life. And uh, first of all, need to be careful about where you get your counsel. And just a few verses we're going to look up tonight. Proverbs chapter 11 in verse 14 is one we want to look at. Be careful where you get your counsel. Proverbs 11 and 14. I've seen more people get their lives messed up uh, because of the fact they get the wrong counsel. And so be careful where you get counsel. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And certainly uh, there is a sureness and there's a comfort and there is safety when we get counsel from those that love the Lord, those that are not walking according to the counsel of the ungodly. In Proverbs chapter 24, in verse 6, is another verse I'd like for you to look at. Proverbs 24 in verse 6. Tells us, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there's safety. And so this whole thing of direction is getting the proper and right counsel in the decisions that you make in your life. I remember I got saved and I felt God called me to preach. The first thing I thought of is I, it, when I wanted to talk to somebody about God called me to preach was my pastor. That was the first person I thought to talk to. I certainly didn't think about talking to my buddies who were unsaved. Oh, my goodness gracious. Their, their, their process of thinking about life was really distorted. And I didn't want to talk to my family about it. Uh, I'm sure they were biased in the fact they didn't want you to move away from home. I remember years ago when I was in Bible college, I was contemplating going to Scotland and I was praying about that, being a missionary to Scotland. I was talking to my dad about that. And my dad, I remember, I'll never forget his words. He said, boy, there's enough sinners here that need to be saved. You don't need to go over to Scotland. <laughs> uh, he was kind of biased, I think. He didn't want me to go to Scotland. And uh, so when I felt God called me to preach, the first thing I thought of, I need to get some counseling because I don't know anything about this. I don't know what it is to be in ministry. I don't know what's going on in my heart. And my first thought was, I'm going to talk to my pastor. And so getting good counsel, knowing who it is you're getting the counsel from, uh, will help you to be in the path going in the direction that God wants you to go in. And when you're going in the direction that God wants you to go in, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I didn't say there's absence of trouble. I said there's joy unspeakable and full of glory because God directs us down a path that makes us blessed and happy as we walk with him. And so be careful about who or where you get your counsel. You know, young people, teenagers always have a struggle because they always are more worried about what their peers think rather than someone who may be mature in the Lord thinks. 
and they get themselves messed up because they always talk to their friends rather than talking maybe to their parents or talking to some spiritual leader in their life. Uh, they always want to get the peer pressure opinion and they always establish this a wrong direction. And so uh, young people need to grow in the Lord. They need to be secure in Christ. Our young people need to know who Christ is and how to walk with God so that they can be counselors that provide safety for their friends when their friends are concerned about that. And so be careful about where you get your counsel. The second thought is this, it is just to simply the reason. Why do I want to be careful about the counsel that I get. Because first of all, they, that's those who walk in the counsel of the ungodly, they are at enmity with God. We're in Proverbs, so Proverbs chapter 15 helps us see that. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse eight and nine, says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And so why would I want to go to someone whose prayers are an abomination before God? Their sacrifice is an abomination before God. In verse 9 of Proverbs 15, it says, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. And so why in the world would I want to go and get counsel from somebody whose life is not pleasing to God? And so I want to be happy in my life. I want to be at peace in my life. And so I'm going to be careful who I talk to because of the fact the ungodly are not, their life, their focus, their attention is completely at enmity with God. Not only that, but they are, they are under the power of Satan. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, who the God of this world has blinded their minds, unless the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. So why would I want to talk to someone who's walking in darkness? Why would I want to communicate with someone who uh, does not know the way of God? And so I'm going to be very careful in who I approach in counsel and needing the direction in my life. Also, not only they have enmity with God and under the power of Satan, but they are vainly seeking happiness themselves. You know, somebody that is not settled certainly can't help you be settled. <laughs> Someone that just really doesn't have control of their life is not going to be able to give you counsel on how to live your life. And so they're, they're seeking happiness themselves. And so how can they give me direction when they haven't found the way to begin with? And so I love the fact that the blessed man can literally walk uh, not in the counsel of the ungodly because when we walk in the counsel, not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, we can gain a sense of God's leading in a way that will help us to be successful, be prosperous, uh, be happy, uh, in spite of all the problems and all the difficulties that we go through. So don't get your directions from an unsaved person, or don't get your directions from a backslidden Christian. You want to, if you need guidance and you need help in this thing of living a happy life, a blessed life, I realize this, that find somebody who's walking with God. Find somebody that's, that's excited about being a Christian. Find somebody that's, that's 
committed their life to studying the Word of God. Find someone like that so that you might be able to get the right direction in your life. Hey, life is short. I can't believe, I don't know where 68 years went. I can't believe I'm this old. I remember years ago, my mom, before she went to heaven, she told me, she said, Michael, I can't believe, I think I was around 65 then. And she said, I can't believe I have a son that's 65 years old. She said, from now on, I'm not introducing you as my son. I'm introducing you as my husband. And I was like, <laughs> I thought, man, I don't look that rough, do I? Good night. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. So get your direction from somebody uh, that is walking with God and, uh, and surrender to the Lord and be happy in Christ, you know? Uh, Joseph, as I mentioned, did not escape problems and difficulties in his life, but bless God, I'll tell you one thing, he was blessed of the Lord, as we saw this morning, and God can bless you and give you direction in your life. And so don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That deals with direction. We see in our text verse, says, uh, nor uh, standeth, this tells us here, nor standeth in the way of sinners. So don't get counsel from the ungodly, but don't identify with and be a part of the way of sinners. Uh, as walk, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly deals with direction in our life, not, nor standeth in the way of sinners deals with association in our life. And so I, I want to be associated with believers, not unbelievers. And, and I know what my life was without Christ, and I don't want to go back to that life. I can tell you that. And uh, so who are you associating with? If you want to be happy in the Lord, uh, then you have to be careful of your associations. I remember I was driving bus when I was in Michigan. You know, bus drivers and truck drivers have some one wonderful thing about them is all they do is complain about their job. And <laughs> I'll tell you, and what, a, what a, a sorry lot sometimes. I mean, I remember I was driving bus when I was in Michigan going to Bible college. I was thankful to have a job because the unemployment rate was 17% when I went to Michigan. There was no jobs. We think there's no job right now. You don't know what it is to be no jobs. And uh, I got that job. I was happy to have income to be able to buy food uh, and be able to pay for my bills, I was thankful for it. But I'll tell you, all those guys did was complain about everything. Uh, you'd be down, down the airport, and a group of them would be together and griping and complaining about everything. And, and I'll tell you, it's easy in that environment to take on that attitude. And next thing I knew, here was I rejoicing in my heart that I had a job. All of a sudden, now I'm complaining. Now I'm like, I'm getting away from these guys. Uh, man, they're dragging me down. Associations that you have uh, is hard for us to identify and acknowledge because we, we don't want to disassociate with people. And uh, first of all, think of this. Your associations, there needs to be separation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, there's just some people you got to get away from. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, Be, not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, and or what part hath he that believeth with the infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, and God is, as God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and, I, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Separation. Our associations as a Christian ought to be more with Christians than it is with the unsaved. And uh, the problem is this, the unsaved's philosophy, the unsaved's desires, the unsaved focus is completely different from what the Bible says the Christian life is supposed to be. And so what, what, right, what does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? I remember I got saved and God started changing my life and he started removing things from my life. Uh, how quickly there was a disassociation, if you will, with those that I used to enjoy being with. And, and they used to be enjoying being with me, but very quickly that all changed because our focus was different. And so we have to be careful about our associations if we want to be strong in our faith and growing in the Lord. And, you know, they, they say so much about statistics now in reference to Christians losing their faith by young people losing their faith and moving out of the churches and this, that, and the other I, what I have seen is just as simply is the wrong associations. And uh, it's, it's amazing. People like to post their whole life on Facebook. And uh, I tell you, I, I just don't understand it, that, that you feel that everybody needs to know everything about your life and where you are and what you're doing. And some of the things that people are doing, I'm telling you right now, the reason why they're not in church and why their faith is waning is because they have the wrong associations. I loved it in college because, in fact, we didn't have anything. We'd all pour our money together maybe to try to get a pizza after church on Sunday night, and we'd go over to somebody's house, and somebody could play a guitar, somebody could play a piano. We'd go over to each other's house, and we'd sit there and eat a slice of pizza or something and just sing songs and hymns and just rejoice in the goodness of our God. We had nothing. We were happy. We rejoiced. And then you get around unsaved people, and boy, I can't, they can't get happy about anything. And they pull you down. And so the, the psalmist is just saying this. We, if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, you have to be careful not only of the direction that you're going through the counsel that you receive, but you need to be careful about your associations in reference to identification with sinners and so that we have to separate. However, we're not to isolate. Separation, but not isolation. Well, in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, you can turn over there and we'll look at that verse, John 15. Uh, separation, not isolation. There are some people that they take separation to an extreme where they literally cannot affect other people for the cause of Christ. We don't partake in the sinner's act and in their lifestyle, but we do take a, 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 an opportunity to be able to share with them who Christ is. 
In John chapter 15 and verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And then chapter 17 of John in verse 15, we Jesus identifying the character of the world and their response to us. In John chapter 17 and verse 15, says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. Now, wait a minute. You just said that we are not a part of the world. You know, the world hates us because of who we are. And then John 17 and verse 15, the prayer of Jesus, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. They're at separation without isolation. We are in this world. God left us in this world to, to occupy till he comes. Verse 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And so when we talk about being happy or being blessed... As a believer in Christ, it is in reference to uh, not standing in the way of scorners. Our associations are, we are separated from the unbeliever, but we're not isolated from them. We're still in the world. You still go in the grocery store. You still go to the barber shop. You still pull into the gas stations. Uh, you still are conducting your life every day, even though COVID-19 has shut a lot of things down. We still are conducting our life every day, and there's people we come in contact with that we might not associate with because of their sinfulness, because we're separated from that sinfulness. But wait a minute, we are there for a purpose to tell them who Christ is. So I want to be happy. I want to be able to tell people how to be saved. I don't want to identify or connect with their sinfulness, but I don't want to remove myself from them. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, he said, I'm all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You know, when I got saved, the thing that I felt, I felt God impressing on my heart, when I felt God uh, calling me to preach, all I could see was friends that I grew up in with in the church that I went to dying and going to hell. That's all I could see. Because when I was 13 years old, they baptized a whole bunch of us, teenagers, in the church to become members of the church. They didn't baptize us because we were saved. They said it's Easter Sunday coming up, and you need to be baptized to become a member of the church. Baptist church, by the way. And so on Easter Sunday, they baptized all of us with all the pomp and circumstance and flowers and everything. It was a glorious time. But the sad thing is, every one of us that went in that waters of baptism was lost on our way to hell. When I felt God called me to preach, that's all I could see. When I'd go to sleep at night, when I'd pray, all I could see was all those kids that were baptized at the time I was baptized dying and going to hell. And I thought, Lord, I need to separate from sinners, but I can't isolate myself from them. I need to tell them about Christ. See, we have two extremes. Either Christians yoke up with the unsaved or they isolate themselves from the unsaved. That's the two extremes. We don't have to be a part of their lifestyle and their sinfulness in order to be a witness to them. And so draw the line, amen? So the blessed man. 
Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, that gives us direction, nor stand in the way of sinners, that gives us association. It says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Scornful, that would be evaluation. Now, they evaluate people and what they're doing or what their response is. So we have to define the terms. He says here, sitteth, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The word sitteth means to take the place. So literally, the psalmist is saying this. You want to be blessed. You want to be happy. Don't take the place of the one that is scornful. And Christians, we don't need to be scornful. Scornful means to be a mocker or to be bitter. And so he's saying, as you live your life, as you walk with God and as you're blessed of God, remember this, don't put your place in the place of the person that is a mocker or a scorner or a person uh, who literally is causing uh, bitterness to just well up in people. Uh, that kind of goes along with the last one because if you are willing to associate with people who are bitter and wrathful and mockers, uh, it won't take long for you to become the same thing. And so the terms defined don't take the same place of the scornful or the mocker. Those determine, how do you determine who is a scorner or the mocker? There are those that desire or determine to minister questions constantly. And, and you know, I don't, I don't get in debates about the Word of God. I state my position, what I believe about the Word of God, but I'm not going to get in debates with people. If somebody wants to just constantly question everything, uh, then they just need to go somewhere else. If somebody's just going to constantly try to cause division, they just need to go somewhere else. Because the, the, those that are sitting in the position of the scornful are those that are constantly ministering questions for the purpose to cause division. I don't have a problem with answering a question a person has, but when someone just is a scorner, where they just are asking questions because they're wanting to debate so as to cause division, then I, I don't want to give them the time of day. I remember years ago, quite a few years ago now, someone had sent me an email. I get emails every once in a while. Somebody sent me an email, and they were one of these theological debate things. And, you know, these guys, they get in these blogs and all this, that, and the other. And I don't know where, first of all, where they have the time to do it. But they're going on, he sent me this long email about this, that, and the other, because he didn't like what I said in reference to his theological position on something. And I thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not answering a fool to his folly. I'm not wasting my time. I got, I got other things I need to do in ministering the gospel of Christ. I'm not fooling with him. All he wants to do is debate and get in an argument. And so that's not going to benefit me in building my happiness and my joy in Christ. And so I just wrote him off and didn't answer him. Uh, he didn't send me anything back, so it's wonderful. Amen? That's... I. I love the most favorite button in my computer is delete. <laughs> when I see it, it's gone. Solves all your problems, amen. So I don't like what so-and-so, they sent me a, 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 a nasty email. Delete. It's over. You know, it's <laughs> you say you're terrible. I probably am, but that's all right. I'm happy. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
in uh, verse uh, 3. Paul says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. I don't care how many doctorate degrees he has, he, he knows nothing. Dr. Malone used to say they're educated past the point of intelligence. So he is proud, knowing nothing, but doubting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, uh, evil surmisings, and he said perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. You know, I said, well, that's good enough for me. Paul says withdraw yourself. I'm not going to sit in the seat of the scornful. I'm not going to allow myself to be drawn in and the joy of the Lord to be robbed from me. And I've had all kinds of letters, emails, and everything else over the years, and they just go into the file. Amen. So, the blessed man. Uh, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, so he gets direction. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners, so he's his associations. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, scornful so he has evaluation. And then in verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. Delight in the law is simply this. It's exaltation. And what is your delight? Is the Bible precious to you? Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather read the Bible and find out what God has to say than listening to a scorner go on and on and on and on. Why? Because a scorner robs you of the privilege of being joyful and happy. But the word of God reminds us of God's faithfulness, God's promises, God's power, God's grace, God's mercy, God's longevity. It reminds us of everything that God is for us. And so I'm going to delight in the law of my God. Why? First of all, there's position. In verse 3, says, He shall make thee like a tree planted by the rivers of water. There's position. God put you where you are. And uh, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that it is God that has put us where we are. And if that is the case, then I'm going to delight in the Lord and exalt his name because he is the one has, who has my life in his hand and he is the one who has put me in the place where I am. So there's position. There's provision because it says here, uh, a tree planted by the rivers of water. So not only did God put us where we are, but God supplies our need in that spot. And I've seen God miraculously provide for my wife and I over the years. I tell you, I could stand here for hours and testify of miracles that God has done in my life and how he has provided for us. I didn't share with the whole church, but in the 11 o'clock service, the Lord brought my mind to a time when I was in Bible college putting a transmission in a bus it was uh, Saturday night going into Sunday morning. I got off work at 2 o'clock in the morning. We had to put a new clutch in the bus, so we had to take the transmission out. I got ready to put it back in, and on the transmission, you men understand this, there's a pilot shaft you got to run in through the clutch plates and all that. And a buddy of mine, we were working on that thing. It was around 4 o'clock in the morning, and we just were putting that thing in. It wouldn't go in. We did everything. We probably fooled with that for a half hour to an hour trying to get this transmission pilot shaft to go in. It wouldn't go in. And finally, it just hit me. I told him, I said, what is wrong with us? We're doing all this work, but we haven't talked to God about this. 
We're laying underneath that bus in the bus garage at, a, at a Emanuel Baptist Church. And so we just stopped what we were doing. We prayed and said, Lord, we can't put this together. We need this bus to pick up kids in just a few hours. God, you got to put this thing together for us. We got done praying, thanked the Lord for his blessings, grabbed the transmission, shoo, right in. I think so many times that we forget to go to the God who plants us by the rivers of water. He is ready. He is ready to bless us. And he provides for us in a miraculous way. So I see the position, provision. I see productive. In other words, he increases and gives fruit in verse 3. He's by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And I, I love that because it says the fruit in his season. What season in life are you in? What season are you going through in your life right now? God can bring fruit. He can bring blessings in its season. His leaf also shall not wither. God's productivity in our life and his permanent uh, working in our life. God secures us. His leaf shall not wither. And so I can trust God with my life not to fade away, but God in the midst of all that I'm doing, knowing that he put me where he desires for me to be, he's providing for me in that position, he's given me a fruit for his glory, then I know this, that my God will not turn his back on me, he'll always be with me and he'll always secure me. And then I see prosper. He says, and whatsoever, in verse 3, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so there is this ability of God to give success. Whatever he doeth shall prosper. I don't know about you. That makes me pretty happy. Uh, that makes me feel blessed to know that God will reward me in those ways. Here's a couple of quotes for you as we close the message. Error does not become truth because it is widely accepted. Truth does not become error even when it stands alone. And many times believers have a problem with being happy in the Lord and feeling they're blessed of God because of the fact the world is constantly trying to attack, attack truth and truth, uh, error is always embraced. And just because somebody embraces that which is wrong, it does not make it right. But truth is always right. And even if there's no, nothing else or no one else standing with you, if you stand on truth, it doesn't matter. You're secure in what Christ did. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, people who are, in reference to people who are crucified with Christ have three distinct marks. Uh, we just talked about being crucified with Christ in our discussion panel at 530. But Tozer puts this down as those who are crucified in Christ have these three distinct marks. Number one... They are facing only one direction. Don't try to face two directions. Well, the world's running over here. I, I, I want to be blessed of God. I'm going to try to focus. No, i got to run over here. No. Let the world go. Stay faced in one direction. Not only that, he says, they can never turn back. You know, Jesus said to anybody putting their hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. And so we are focused in one direction, realizing that we do not have the option to turn back. And then he says this, they no longer have plans of their own. 
As a Christian, our life is not in our hands. Our life is in the hands of God. Our life is not your own. Matter of fact, Paul said, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Tozer went on to say this, religion today, these old writers, I'd like to ask them, uh, it would be interesting to bring them back in time (laughs) to right now because what they write about uh, what was going on in their days and what was going on in their days is nothing compared to what's going on in the days that we're living in. He said this, religion today is not transforming people. Rather, it's being transformed by people. There is so much literature that is out right now that you can read and study in statistics in reference to the influence of the world on the church versus the, world's influence, uh, the church's influence on the world. And the, the world is out working or out influencing the church. And we need to do something about that. I just wonder if that's why people aren't happy in the Lord. So he says, religion today is not transforming people, rather it's being transformed by people. It is not raising the moral level of society. It is descending to society's own level and congratulating itself that it has scored a victory because society is smiling, accepting its surrender. Uh, No, we don't surrender who we are. We don't surrender what we believe. We stand for God and God alone, and we want to be blessed of God. We're not going to turn our back on God. The world is corrupt. Every immoral conduct that the Bible condemns our country has made legal. And there's more going on that's going to be disgusting as it comes out. The church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up as a moral agent of God to influence the world for Christ. Well, Warren Worsby said this, Do you need help today? Lift up your hands to the Lord in supplication and in expectation, and soon you will lift up your hands in jubilation and celebration. I think sometimes we just are allowing ourselves to be drugged down so much by the influence of the world that we've forgotten there is a God in heaven who has stated that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's still in the Bible, and there's still a God in heaven that can give us jubilation and celebration. The blessed man. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't like losing at anything. You can ask my wife. She doesn't play games with me anymore because... I don't like losing, amen. I'll do whatever I got to do to win, amen. Outside of cheating or breaking the law, amen. But anyway, I don't like losing. As a Christian, I don't want to lose. I don't want to be grumpy. I don't want to become an old person that's just griping about everything. Amen, you say, you already are. No, I'm not. (laughs) I want to be a blessed man. I want God to show himself faithful and true to me. And that's going to require some decisions to be made in my life. And it's going to require some decisions to be made in your life in order to truly be blessed of God. Well, Pastor Fallon, why don't you come and close us in prayer? And we're so glad you folks came tonight. And we're glad that everyone is here. People are watching by live stream. 
Uh, God has something better, something greater for each of us. We need to reach out and allow God to be God and connect with the Lord and the Lord alone and be happy and celebrate his faithfulness to us. God bless you for being here. And Pastor, I want you to close in prayer. Talking about being the old man complaining. <laughs> that hit home. <laughs> the older you get, boy, you start getting like that. It's amazing how things are changing. But uh, I'm so thankful for Ocean County Baptist Church, my home church. I was pulling in here with my son and daughter-in-law. Uh, unfortunately, we're down for a um, situation, family uh, tragedy, basically. Uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, went home to be with the Lord a couple of days ago. So we're down for the, uh, for the funeral today. Uh, but as we're pulling in, you know, I say, yeah, it's my home church, my daughter-in-law. This is where it all started for me and uh, was saved as a result of the influence of Ocean County Baptist Church. And um, all these years later, pastoring up in Sparta, New Jersey, uh, doing what we do. And um, I want to be blessed. I want to be a blessed man. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, it just seems like uh, there's so much more coming up against us, uh, just more and more. But, uh, you know, it's encouraging tonight, preacher. I appreciate that. One of my favorite passages of Scripture tonight. But it's good to be here. Good to see you, folks. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this good night. Lord, I'm so thankful we were able to be here uh, this evening, Lord. And uh, I believe you led us here tonight. And, Lord, the message uh, blessed my heart. And I want to be the blessed man. Lord, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, thank you for Pastor Weigel. Thank you, Lord, for his influence in my life the influence of Ocean County Baptist Church in my life and the life of my family. Uh, Lord, uh, generations now being saved, my children, my children's children getting saved. And Lord, we just thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for the influence of the Word of God, the power of it, the power of Jesus Christ. And Lord, just thank you that we can gather tonight. You're a wonderful, wonderful God. And Lord, I do pray for my wife's family tonight and the loss of Jamie, uh, my wife's sister. Thank you, Lord, for heaven. Thank you that she's with her sister tonight. And, Lord, they're rejoicing in you, but uh, bless my brother-in-law, his sons, and their, their children uh, tonight. And just, Father, uh, help them to look up. We thank you, love you, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.